The message you are about to hear was preached at Gosum Africa 2019. Justification by grace through faith. Stay tuned. So we can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us. Amen. Praise God. All right, we're on the final lap of this race. Amen. So let's go to Galatians chapter 5. While thanking God for how he closed out the last session, God just flowed in here like a mighty wind with a confirmation of his word to all of us to encourage us, to establish us. And uh, I thank God for uh, Cyrus for his openness and transparency and allowing God to use him to bring a confirmation of his word in Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 5. In your notes, on page 30, I'm not going to address that. It's very clear. It's just a table that shows you living as a son, what it looks like, and living as a slave or servant, what it looks like. So I just want to encourage you to look through those and allow the Holy Spirit to help you make the adjustments where necessary. So, for four chapters in the book of Galatians, Paul has established doctrine, meaning he's taught us we should live by grace, not by law. We should be in the spirit, not in the flesh. That God's grace has brought us to freedom and not bondage. So now in chapter 5, consistent with Paul's pattern of teaching, is now going to give us application. How do you apply what is said for four chapters? It's about to start in chapter 5. Amen? Amen. So chapter 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore, there's a reference to preceding things. So he says, as a result of what God has done, now let me tell you your role, your part, what you should be living out as a result of what God has done. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Don't let anybody else bring a yoke to tie you down, to rope you down with religion, with laws, with rules, with regulations and ordinances and statutes and commands. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And the truth is, when I began to encounter this message, without any revelation of the word, that's how I felt. I just felt free. Free. Not free to sin, but free to just live out my life. The freedom in the spirit of God. The freedom to hear God say, do this and you do it. The freedom for God to just lead you and direct you. It's very liberating. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You see? The law is a yoke of bondage. Now, when we say the law, again, remember, self-efforts, performance, self-life, all the things that we think we have to do, read the Bible 10 times a day, pray 19 hours a day. Now, again, when I say that, even though I say it in jest, you understand how I expect for you to pray. I expect for you to read your Bible. 
Because indeed, the Bible is the, fee, is the, is the, is the food that feeds your spirit. Yes. And if you starve your spirit, you're going to be vulnerable to the things of the enemy. Yes. What I'm just saying is, you must understand that you must give room for the Holy Spirit to change your routine. So if you've been used to praying at 7 a.m. or 6 o'clock in the morning, if the Holy Ghost moves on you at 2 o'clock and says, let's pray, you need to oblige. Because there's something unique he wants to pass on to you at that time. That if, I, I cannot tell you how many times at night I, I feel restless and I feel like God is saying to, for me to do something, but I'm tired. I just say, you know what? Uh, it's 2 o'clock. I, I, I do it at 6 a.m. By 6 o'clock, the option is gone. It's gone. And I cannot recall it. I can't make it happen again. Because if you move the, if you just miss the missing, the, if you miss the time when the Holy Spirit is wooing you, it's a missed opportunity. It's a, it's a missed opportunity. Ah, so you look back in the law and see the the parallel of what, the parallel of what I'm saying to you. The Bible says when the Israel camped in the camp under the tabernacle of Moses, that whenever the pillar of cloud lifted. Israel knew it was time to move. And whenever it rested, it was time to stay. Now, the Bible now says something that was very interesting. He said, whether the thing rested for a day, or a week, or a year, they followed suit. So God did not give them a timetable. He did not say, on Thursday at 7 p.m., I'll move. Get ready, prepare yourself. No. He did not say, because I'll move today at 7 p.m., tomorrow, you know what, I'll do it again at 7 p.m. No. In fact, you know what I found out? Pastor Tosin and Pastor Neil will tell you this. Maybe we had a meeting this week. We, had, we sang a song that was a climax of the meeting. We all enjoyed it. We all were thrilled by it. And I will tell her, let them do that song again next Sunday. They do it some, next Sunday, nothing happens. A am I talking? Yeah. Nothing. It's, it will be as if we are giving a, we are singing Koran. <laughs> I'm saying, that's how terrible it gets. Why do you think that is so? We are trying to reduplicate a working of the spirit. We are trying human machination, imagination of a divine operation. You're wasting your time. So much so, God told Israel, go to the promised land now. Ah, they resisted. Oh, no, our children. Oh, no, we are like grasshoppers. Blah, blah, blah. They went. And by the time God got through talking to them, he said, okay, now we are going to go. What's the difference? They went and they were defeated. What happened? Because the power to do it is within the word when it was spoken. So if you miss the time the word was given, you better back up and say, God, have mercy of me, say it again. Because if you now go later, based on what you thought you heard, it's no longer there. It's gone. So be careful about that. Amen? Okay, so now, moving on. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you, verse 2, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith walking through love. So now, it's beginning to shift now. So he's saying to them, 
For all you uh, false brethren or Judaizers or whatever they call themselves who is trying to pervert the message among the Galatian church, who is harping on this issue of the fact that the people need to be circumcised to be saved, he's saying to them, circumcision or uncircumcision avails not, except faith walking through love. What I'm finding, the sum total of everything I'm finding with grace, with the New Testament, the New Covenant, at the end of the day, is that word love. That's where it starts. That's where it needs to end. For God so loved the world. That's the beginning. That's where it started. Where is it going to end? Me and you walking in love. Oh, you didn't hear me. <laughs> it began with love. And it will end in love. Because God is love. For God so loved the world, he gave. Everything God did was motivated by love. And so, the working of his spirit in all of us is to bring us to that place where love becomes natural to us. So Paul is telling those guys, forget your doctrines. Forget your arguments. Only concentrate on faith working through love. Okay? Now, verse 7. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? On and on and on he goes. Now, let's jump to verse 13. Galatians 5.13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through what? Love. Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the issue here. Because of what happened in Galatians, Galatians church, we have almost two factions. Number one, the faction who believed or who's been taught and who embraced faith, uh, justification by faith and circumcision and the law of Moses. And the other group who strictly believed what Paul said, faith, I mean, uh, justification, justification by grace through faith, period. So Paul is not trying to bring these two groups together. To the one group, the one that said justification, by grace through faith plus circumcision, he says, listen, circumcision and uncircumcision avails nothing except faith walking through love. And to the group that say, oh yeah, we are with Paul. We understand the message. He says, okay, to you guys who believe in grace, don't allow your liberty to be an occasion for the flesh. But even for you, understand all the commandment is fulfilled in one word. Loving one another. Do you see what this guy has done? He's brought, he's brought both groups together in one unit on our love. Don't miss that. What's, that. what's the message there for us? I know we've talked a lot in these meetings about those who are still under the law, denominations, ministers, ministries, who do not understand grace, who resist grace. Paul's message to me and you is, you love them. You love them. You do not leave this place high-minded to think that because you have a revelation, you are better than them. You are not. Huge. I remember years ago when we started doing missions in the United States. 
And, and we go to a church, and the pastor has no clue what missions was. And we say, wow, how, what, what Bible is this? What kind of Bible are these guys reading? How come you don't see missions as a, as a very important enterprise in God's, in God's kingdom? And then God had to check us. God had to help us to understand that there was a time when you were blind to it as, as well. Don't think because you have light now you're better than those who don't have it. So I'm, I'm cautioning you. Don't allow an arrogant, uh, ego, egoti egotistical mindset to come into your life, to help you, pride, to help you think, ah, how some of these guys don't have it. And No. No. Because a few years ago, you didn't have it. And there are more things God needs to show us that we still don't have, that if we don't allow humility to be the groundwork through which we walk, we will never get there. So Paul's message was for both sides. The answer to both of you is love. You that's helping and jumping on circumcision say, listen, circumcision and even uncircumcision, it avails not. God don't care about either of them. The only thing he cares about is faith walking through love. You see, for some of us today, the reason faith don't work for us, there's no love in it. There's no love in it. There's no love. Okay, why did he just heal the sick? Why did they cast blind eyes? Uh, cast, um, cast, um, uh, cast out demons? Why did they open blind eyes? Why did they raise the dead? He didn't do any of those things just to show faith. The love motivated him. That prompted and opened the door for faith to work. So if I'm trying to heal the sick, out of trying to make or prove a point, you're wasting your time. You better go to the witch doctor. You have better success. Because anything God must be motivated by love. And that's why what George raised earlier was very important. God helped me to see your revelation of your love to me. So that I can respond in love. So now when I now respond in love, based on what God has shown me, things can begin to happen to me. And happen through me. So Paul's message to the Judaizers was, forget about your circumcision issue. And in fact, even those of us that are not circumcised, I'm telling you, it doesn't count. The only thing that counts is faith walking by love. And for you grace teachers, let me congratulate all you grace men, all you grace certified people. <laughs> he was saying, so, so to speak, don't allow your liberty to be an occasion for your flesh. Because at the end of the day, all the law that we are condemning and speaking against Boils down to one thing, loving one another. And not only just loving one another, look at what it says. That we should serve one another in love. Rather than, have, than having it being an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Oh, God help us. The day we get the revelation of that, that's the day the church will be unleashed in this city, in this nation. The day we understand that the church is not supposed to be in competition, but we should be complementary. What you have, I don't have. What I have, you don't have. How can we come together and network and get this city reached for God? Yeah. I can three or four churches or ministries come together and say, well, you know what, let's do something together to, to make a, a statement for God. Yeah. In love, serving one another. What do we have in our ministry that can, we can use to serve your ministry? to serve our community? How can we network together to make a name for Jesus in this area? 
You bring this gift, I bring that gift together. What I don't have, you have. What you have, I don't have. We come together, we make a big statement. Amen? So, it's beginning to establish now practical application. What needs to be happening? Now, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, it's 10, it's... I believe this is really where the rubber meets the road. In everything we've said up to this point. Walking in the spirit. So that we shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So let me begin to break that down now on page 32 in your notes. I said the distinctive resource for the lifestyle of faith and grace is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Notice he didn't say maybe you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. He said you shall not. If you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Now, walking by the spirit or in the spirit, as we know, it, the first thing that has to happen is you have to you have to receive the Holy Spirit, and I'm saying that because I don't want to I don't want to assume that everybody's born again. Okay, walking in the Spirit or by the Spirit requires first receiving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1:13, when you, you come into the faith, you are sealed with the Holy Ghost. So if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to define or explain what walking in the Spirit is, let me first identify. What walking in the spirit is not. Walking in the spirit does not mean the elimination of sinful desires. Okay, I've said that slowly. In other words, because I'm walking in the spirit does not mean I will not see things, feel things, desire things that's not godly. Africans, you guys are very funny. <laughs> These Africans look at me like, oh, we are too holy to think of anything bad. <laughs> Walking in the spirit does not mean you should expect to break the spiritual sound barrier. Rather, I can expect increasing freedom from following my sinful desires and increasing freedom to follow the Spirit's desires. Big. In other words, because you are trying to walk in the Spirit, or walking in the Spirit does not mean that you're always going to see everything the way God sees it. You will never be tempted again. You will never have any sinful desires. That is not true. If that's happening where you have no sinful desires, you, everything you think is only godly, godly all the time, you are no longer living. We need to get your casket and bury you now. Because you are dead. Amen? But what will happen is, those, you, you may have those desires, but you have an increasing freedom from following those desires. In fact, the desires, the fact that you have them, allows you to know how freer you are now. 
Because they are just a fleeting thought. They're just a fleeting thought. They come and they go. They are gone. They are gone because they don't, they, they don't, have, they don't find a landing spot any longer in your life. I say it this way. I can't avoid a bird flying over my head. You know what a bird is? B-I-R-D? You can't avoid a bird flying. The air is free. A bird can fly over your head. I can't avoid that. But what I can avoid is the bird building a nest in my head. I can definitely do something about that bird building a nest in my head. That responsibility is given to us. Amen? So, what I'm saying to you is, walking in the spirit is not merely exercising willpower to obey God's, God's word. What do I mean by that? Okay, let, let's, let's find, let's, what's a common sin? Lie. Okay? So, you don't wake up in the day and say, I will not lie today. And begin to just focus, I will not lie today. I will not lie today. I'm not, I'm just, I'm just be make, you, I'm just making positive confessions, declarations. Thank you. I will not lie today. 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 I won't lie today. I declare. When you do that, I guarantee you will lie. In fact, our ministries are the reasons people commit fornication and adultery. Because we'll tell them, why did you do that? You shouldn't do that again. You should have those confessions. Just, I will never commit adultery. I will never fornicate. The more you say it, it's right. And I'll show it to you in the scriptures. Because that's the reason God does not want me and you to focus on those things. Okay, let, let, me, let me throw something out to you and then I will explain it. That which, no, you behold, no, you become that which you behold. You become that which you behold. Come on, why do you, why do you think these marketers put advertisement on TV and show you all these crazy things? Go buy Bonvita, go buy this shoe, go buy this, uh, clothes, go buy this house. Things you never intended to buy, you are not thinking of buying, you are not praying about it, they keep on showing it to you. And the more you look at it, ah, ah, this thing is nice. Ah, and then they tell you it's on sale. Ah, oh, it's on sale. Before you know you, you're buying it. Let me show you the principle in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. Walking in the spirit is not a matter of positive, positive it's, it's not a matter of just self-will. No. Can somebody read for me, please, Genesis chapter 30 from verse 30? I don't want King James Bible, please. Why are you writing some of this? The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, 
I will again field and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lamb and the spotted and the speckled among the goats and these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages come before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and the brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, Oh, that, oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goat that was speckled and spotted, all the female gold that was speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now Jacob took for himself lot of green poplar mm -hmm. and of all the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white stripes in them, and exposed the white which was in the rod. And the rod which he had peeled is set before the flock in the gutters. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Remember that word set. It's very, very important. You're going to say it again. Go ahead, sir. He said before the flock in the gutters, in the watering trough, where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flock conceived before the rods, and the flock brought forth, strickled, speckled, and spotted. Holy, that's good enough. Did you, see, did you guys see what just happened? What did Jacob do? Jacob manipulated, manipulated the conception of those animals. How did he do it? He put a rod before them, stripped it. And by stripping it and putting it before those animals when he went to drink, what they saw when they were drinking was what Jacob wanted them to see. And when they reproduced, they reproduced exactly what they were seeing. Do you guys understand what I just said to you? What was placed before them while they were feeding was, where they was what they produced when they conceived. The principle there is you become what you see. Huge. Huge. That's why God does not want me and you focusing on the wrong things, the negative things, the bad things, Stop focus. That's why I keep on telling you, stop preaching the law. Because your people will produce what you preach. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, finally now brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are honest, what so are things that has virtue. If there be any praise, think on these things. Because those are the things you want to reproduce. So I'm, I'm, I'm laying the groundwork for this walking in the spirit. So the first thing you must understand about walking in the spirit is number, it's not something that you do by mind power. 
Because if your mind could attain it, you don't need the spirit. Secondly, if you're going to think on anything, you should not be dwelling or thinking on the things you are trying to avoid. That's a big mistake. Because you reproduce what you remember. That is so powerful. You must really, and that's why God constantly tells Israel, remember, remember, remember. And the things he tells them to remember are the things he's done for them. Now, let's move on. So we know that walking in the spirit does not mean there will be elimination of sinful desires. We know it's not merely exercising willpower to obey God's law. Amen? Walking in the spirit unleashes the power of the spirit who gradually changing us to be more like Jesus. I think there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that talks about how uh, with an unveiled face, we behold him and we are changed, how? From glory to glory. So, so, so do, you, do you see the picture there? When you behold him, what happens? You become him. The only way you become him is by beholding him. Yes. The more you look at him and dwell on him and focus on him, he, by the power of his spirit, begins to transform you and you are changing from glory to glory like the image of the Son of God. Now, other world religions, we mentioned this yesterday, focus on the moral willpower, including Buddhism and legalistic Christianity. It leads to faking, hiding, judging others, or just quitting. Because you try your mind power, and you find out it doesn't work. So now, how do we do it right then? How? Walking in the Spirit, page 33. This is an ongoing choice to depend on the Spirit's power. I cannot emphasize this enough. Salvation is a one-time occurrence. But walking in the spirit is a moment by moment by moment ongoing choice that we make to depend on the spirit's power. Okay? Now, we can learn a few important things about how to walk in the spirit by closely examining the phrase. The phrase meaning walk in the spirit. Walk, as you have in your note there, is in the imperative mood. Which means it's a choice we make. God won't make it for you. If I'm, gonna, if I'm sitting down and I want to go to uh, where Bishop or Nee or anybody, if I'm sitting down, I have to make the choice to get up and walk. Yes. We must understand that. So walking in spirit, we must understand it's in the imperative mood, which means it's a choice we make that God will not make it for you. Now, he's giving you the tools, but now he expects for you to use it. Secondly, walk is also in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing choice, not once in a year. Thirdly, walking in the Spirit emphasizes, emphasizes that the Holy Spirit is the source, not us. So when you put all these things together, this is what we come up with. Walking in the spirit or walking by the spirit means 
keep choosing to depend on the Spirit's power. Amen? Now, it sounds almost paradoxical. Because on the one hand, you depend on the Spirit because He supplies the power for change and we supply none of it. But on the other hand, it's not a matter of being passive because the command to walk by the Spirit means that we must keep actively choosing to avail ourselves to the Spirit's power. So the point is, how do we do this? This is where the rubber meets the road. How do we do this? Now, there are two key steps, and I must say to you at this point, my own life took a significant exponential change when I got to understand what I'm about to tell you. Totally different. Because living by faith and just trying to live by faith, but not really understand how you do it, that's one thing. But when you actually fully now understand the mechanics or the dynamics of doing it, it's a whole lot different. Because the Christian life is not me trying to live like Jesus. If you think like that, you will fail and fail and fail and fail. The Christian life is an exchanged life where Jesus is trying to live his life through you. Big difference. Big difference. So it means you must come to the end of yourself and understand, I cannot do this on my own. Okay? So how do we do this? Paul addresses this very, very well. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 13, let somebody read Romans 6, 13. It gives us the first key in walking in the Spirit. Romans 6, yeah. Righteousness unto God. Okay. Can I get another translation, please? Aha, uh -huh. now you're reading. <laughs> Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness hmm. to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life and use your old body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Amen. So please pay attention. This is very, very important. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So the first key in walking in the spirit is to keep presenting or yielding yourself to God. Now I'm going to tell you how to do that. To keep presenting or yielding yourself to God. The image here in this verse is Paul using us, me and you, us, as a choice-making instrument. He's giving us an image of us being an instrument. Let me use this mic as an example. This is a microphone, is that correct? When Rod has it in a minute and the CYI guys, they had this microphone, they started singing, it was pleasurable, was it not? The mic is an instrument. This mic has no mind of its own. It cannot make any decisions. 
what this mic does is dependent on who's using it. Is that correct? So Rod and his guys get his mic, they sing. You know, they sing a good song. They sing. We all enjoy it. We flow with them. You put the mic down. And an angry father or husband takes the same mic. Bah! 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 And hit the head of a child, a wife, somebody on the street. What happens? They used to do destroy. This mic has no mind. How it's used is dependent on who's on the user. See why I, they sing with it. A madman kills with it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So, David, so Paul said, you and I were instruments, just like a microphone. We're an instrument just like the mic. However, unlike the mic, we have a choice. We can make decisions. We have a will. The mic has none of that. The user controls what happens. Totally. Sinking or destroying. In the case of a human being, we are given choices. And so what Paul is saying is, you are an instrument, like the microphone or a knife or anything else that's an instrument. He says, now, I'm, I, I'm telling you, as an instrument, yield or present yourself to God. And when you present yourself to God, God will now use you as an instrument of righteousness. But when you make the choice to present yourself to the enemy, the enemy will use you as an instrument of evil. This is our dilemma for you and I. We are three in one. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. When I was born again, my spirit was recreated, born again, once and for all. But my soul is still unregenerate. I have to constantly renew my mind to bring my mind in alignment with my spirit. So what happens for us is our default, our default mode, all of us, 24-7, is the propensity for sin. Do you understand what I mean by default? Your smartphones, when you open it up, you punch your figure, a picture comes up. That's the default. The wallpaper, constantly. For a human being who is falling, being saved, yes, but your soul is not saved. So what I'm saying to you is the pool for all of us, the choices that's easily palatable to all of us is the selfish, sinful choice. Automatic. You don't have to think about it. You just flow in it. Somebody slaps you. Somebody says some word that's wicked. Something is done about you. You don't even have to think how you respond. I'll tell you. I'll give you my mind. I'll give you my opinion. Automatic. Easy. Flows out of you. So Paul is saying, listen. The way to walk in the spirit is to present yourself to God. Rather than present yourself to your natural default. Now, question is, how do I do that? How do I present myself to God and not to my natural default? Good question. Very easy. A good example would be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Angel comes, 
you're going to be pregnant. That holy thing in you shall become the son of God. The natural for Mary will be, no, it's not possible. I'm a virgin. I've never known a man. And that will be, that will be reasonable. It will be sound, argument, and logical. Is that what she did? What did she do? Let it be unto me according to thy word. When she said that, she just presented herself to God. Do you understand what I just explained to you? In other words, God, I have no understanding. In fact, she said, how shall this be? Knowing, I was saying that I don't know. No, no, no. So he said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. However, I'm not going to argue or debate with you. Let it be unto me according to thy word. In other words, I resign to your will. Amen. A better example, Second Chronicles 20. You know the story of Jehoshaphat? The armies came around to fight with him. He looked at the army. He looked at his army. He said, man, we are, we are, we are toast. <laughs> he said, we are toast. When you read that conversation, he says to God, let's, let's go read it. I don't want to mis, mis, misquote it. Second Chronicles 20, 20. If you have a good Bible, you can read it for me. <laughs> if you have a good Bible. Chris, did you hear what I said? <laughs> Second Chronicles 20, 20. New Living Translation. Okay, hold on. It's not the correct. Oh, 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see. Uh, where did they say it? I'm coming on. Okay, 20. Yeah, 2012. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 2012. Yes. Thank you. Second Chronicles 2012. New Living Translation. Yes. Oh, our God, mm -hmm. we do not judge them. For we have no might against this great army. Hold it. We have no might. What is that meeting? It's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. I have no might. Listen, the problem, the challenge I face, God, I have no answer. Mm. I have no answer. I don't know the solution. I don't know how we're going to get this done. You, 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 you are becoming vulnerable. Only you can do it. That's how you present yourself to God. Read on. Neither know we what to do. Aha! We don't have the might. This is a king. This is a king speaking. Yeah. We don't have the might. Neither do we have the means. We don't know how or what to do. I'm helpless without you. And if I'm helpless, who do I need? A helper. You're in a building raising, you're in a building fund situation. You need money for your building. Instead of just going gri gri gri, trying to use zeal and, uh, and uh, raising offering by annoyance, you need to say to God, You need to say to God, God, this is a gigantic task. I have no idea, nor the means to get this done. Father, will you make a way? That's your prayer. You have, to, you have to admit your vulnerability. Say, God, if you don't do this, we are toast. Yeah. What did the three Hebrew boys say? We're not going to throw him in the fire. Mm. 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 King, we, do not, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Yeah. Our God is able to deliver us. And if he does not, so be it. it. They just presented themselves to God. Are you hearing this? Are you, because this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. 
This is where the rubber meets the road. Everything you are learning by faith. If you don't know how to walk in the spirit, you will fail. It's not a prophecy, God forbid, but I'm just telling you this is the reality in the spirit. Because everything God does is by the spirit. And you have to learn how to do it. You are an instrument. That's what Paul said. Let's read Romans 6.13 again. Please, I want you to really stick. Romans 6.13. Sorry, sir. Are we still coming back to the scripture? We no, we're not. Oh, but our eyes are on, upon thee. Okay, okay, good. You're right. Uh-huh. Our eyes are upon thee. That's yes. good. So again, you see how he presented himself, Jehoshaphat. Yes. He admits, I don't, I don't have the might. I don't have the means. But you know what I do have? I like the mind or the means, but I know what I have. My eyes are on you. Ah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. I don't have this or that, but I know what I have. I have you, God. And that's it. Romans 6. Romans 6, 13. One more time, just for emphasis. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto no. sin, mm-hmm. but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Amen. So, in your notes here in page 33, I use the different kind of instrument for the example. I use a scalpel which is a surgical instrument. It has no power of its own. The power lies in a person who wields the scalpel. An evil person can wield a scalpel to do terrible damage. A surgeon will wield the same scalpel to save lives and bring healing. So, we are instruments. We have no power in ourselves to do God's will. God, through his spirit, must do his will through us. But unlike the inanimate scalpels, we can choose to whom we present ourselves. Our natural default, don't forget that, is to present yourselves to sin. And then sin will use us to do his deeds, which is why Paul lists all these deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, and corrupt us and others through us. But when, when we consciously present ourselves to God, his spirit will live his life through us and gradually bear fruit through us. Let's go on. So the key here is living existentially. In other words, seeing each day as a series of situations. And personally presenting yourself to God in each of those situations. Those are the examples. Luke 138, 2 Chronicles 2012, and asking the Holy Spirit to give us the help of his spirit to this end. John 14, verse 6. This is what Jesus speaks of himself as the vine and us as branches. Now, We'll hear about the fruit of the Spirit. I think we must understand that fruit is an organic process. A natural outgrowth. It's not something you wake up and decide to be. It's the byproduct of the Spirit's work, not the goal. That is very, very, very critically important to to, to say that. In other words... I used to pray about the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Father, I thank you for the manifestation of love, joy, peace. I, I used to pray those prayers. But I now realize, Bank, that's the wrong prayer to pray. Because the point, the point is, the fruit of the Spirit is a natural consequence of walking in the Spirit every day. So the prayer should not be about the fruit but the process. 
Did you guys get what I just said? Fruit is an organic process. You plant a mango seed. It's a mango tree that's going to grow. I have never seen a man that planted a mango tree and saw an orange tree. It's not possible. It's not possible. So the seed you plant is what leads to the fruit you bear. Oh my God. The seed you plant is what leads to the fruit you bear. What do I mean by that? The seed you are planting every day in walking in the spirit. The moment by moment ongoing choices and decisions you are making every day is what leads to the fruit you see. Ah. I can't explain it any further than that. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just show you what it means. It is how I choose to walk by the Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis that leads to the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul listed them for us so we can identify them when we get there. That's what happens. And the same thing with the deeds of the flesh. Nobody just says today, God, today, I am going to just commit adultery. But the careless, loose living on a moment by moment, the choices you make or do not make, I don't know if they can lead you there. Do you understand what I'm saying? So those things in and of themselves are products of the daily, ongoing choices we make moment by moment. And so in your notes, I have a chart that shows... The fruit of the spirit. I'm not going to go through it because it's very self-explanatory. I'm just going to look at one so you understand what it looks like. One, love. So that's what? Four tables. One lists all the fruit. The second lists what it means. In other words, what is God like? The next one lists how, God, how Christ toward us demonstrates this uh, particular fruit. And the last one, the fourth one, is how we demonstrate or show them to others. How do I live this out in my own life? So let's look at one, love. What does it mean to, what, 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 what's God's love like? It's sacrificial, it's unconditional, it's redemptive. How did God show it? God loved you through Christ's sacrifice. So how are you living it? What are you building? Are you extending grace or demanding rights? That's a mouthful. Are you always, Especially, especially for those of us, our parents. In particular for husbands. Are we always demanding rights or extending grace? Wow, it's, it's very quiet in the room. Your wife is at home working all day, dealing with kids, cleaning, cleaning the house, you get in, you're hungry, and you demand, how come the food is not ready? And it never occurred for you to ask her, how was your day? How was your day? What happened within your day that, that interfered with what you normally would have done? You are not concerned about that. You look at your clock, it's 6 o'clock, ah, how come food is not ready? And then it leads to an argument. Argument escalates. And then before you know it, there's a breach. There's a wall. There's a wall. 
Do you see what I'm saying to you? If you have received grace, are you giving grace? Because if we were perfect, there would be no need for grace. God gave us grace because we are not perfect. And so if you receive it, freely you have received. Freely you give. So, so, folks, what I'm telling you is grace is not a message that we just speak. It's a message we live. And the people around you are the ones that's best able to tell you if you are living in grace. Don't tell me what you preach. I don't want to hear it. Show me how you live. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I go to your wife or your husband or your children, would they say to me, daddy is a loving man or mommy is a caring mother? Or would they say, mommy and daddy, they are hair razors? Because if they don't know it, we will not know it. Wow, it's quiet in this room. They are love mercy. <laughs> I think we all need to go through deliverance. Are you ready to deliver us? <laughs> ah. Let's take one more. I need to move on because there are two keys. Joy. Joy. So God takes pleasure in our lives and in blessing us. Jesus, the Bible says, God takes joy, joy in you. They say, uh, Zephaniah 3:17. He sings over us with joy, with gladness. Like parents with children. We take delight in others' advances. What a shift to take pleasure in others' lives. Do you take joy in serving? Joy. Joy is not, joy is not limited by what's happening. Happiness has to do with what's happening now. Joy has to do with the assurance and security you have in the inside. Amen? So the rest of them is there. I'm not going to go through all of them. Amen? So the first key is learning to yield ourselves to God or to present ourselves to God. The second key in walking in the spirit is by regularly setting our minds on what God has given us through Christ. Romans chapter 8. Somebody, verses 4 and first through 6. Romans 8, verses 4 through 6. Romans 8, yes. The requirements of the law would be fully accomplished for us. We we'll no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Amen. Amen. So in my New King James, this is what it says. That a righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilling us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, 
the things of the Spirit. And then you can see the same thing in Colossians chapter, chapter 3, verse, verses 2 and 3. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 in the Amplified. All of them say, say almost this, about the same thing. So really, this is what Paul is saying. Walking by the Spirit or according to the Spirit is the same as walking. No, no, yeah. So he says, walking according to the Spirit involves setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. And I want to emphasize and key in on that word set. Remember I told you that in Genesis 30? Yes. When Jacob did that, I said, take note of that word. Because here in Romans chapter 6, and chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, we see the word set. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he said, we should set our affection on the things above and on the things on this earth. So that word set again. When I was preparing and studying this, this book, God said to me that the word set in these passages can be likened to setting an alarm clock. So Pastor Tosin and Ayiti, tomorrow they have a flight at 6 a.m. from Accra to Lagos. That's when the flight departs. In order for them to make that flight, they be wise to set the alarm clock or get a message to the hotel desk clerk to set the alarm to wake them at a particular time. Maybe, in this case, 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, whatever they want. This idea, if I set the clock to wake up at 3 a.m., between now and 3 o'clock, will I remove that set? No. Because if I move the, set, the time, then I've just upset the whole purpose of setting the alarm. So God said, set your mind on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Set your mind. What's the point it's making? Because many of us do this, but what's eluding us is the issue of set. You should keep the clock set until the desired time. So what God is saying is, you and I should stay focused on the changes we desire until it happens. You set it. Give me any change. What, what change do you want to see happen? Somebody just mentioned something. Anything. Self-discipline. Self-discipline. So you find the promise of God about self-discipline and you set that scripture as a promise the way you set the alarm clock but in this case you don't move from it until it manifests what happens to you and I is we confess it once or twice and we move on we move on having not seen the manifestation and the process stops because the scripture says, set your mind on these things. It isn't just glance at it. You take your mind and set it. <laughs> okay. Nee, I know you did construction. You, you guys build houses. Tosin, you guys build houses. When you pour concrete on the driveway, what has to happen? Ah! It has to do what now? Oh! So what, what does it mean to set? Ah, 
So the moment you pour the thing there, do you, do you, just, do you start driving on it? No. Ah. It's the same concept. First, you present yourself to God. God, I have no might. I can't do this. I don't have the answer. Help me, Lord Jesus. That's, not, that's where it starts. Secondly, you now set your mind. Remember how what you think of is what you produce? So God said, don't think on the bad things. Now think on me. I'm not asking you not to think. I'm just asking you to think on the right things. So think on me. Let Jesus become the focal point of your thought life. Dwell on him. Think about him. Whatever the area you're trying to adjust or, or fix in your life, let, find what God has said about that. What has God done in that area? Bring that to bear and set your mind on it. And meditate on it. Over and over and over and over until it manifests. If you don't manifest, you don't move from there. Is it simple? Yes. Yes. That's the essence of walking in the spirit. You present yourself and you set your mind. But he does not want me and you to set our mind on the wrong things. Because you produce the wrong things. So that's why I said, if you then be risen with Christ, search your mind on things above and not things beneath. You search your mind. What has Jesus accomplished? What has he done? What are the benefits he gives me? Over and over and over and over and over and over. You start doing that, you'll be surprised how your life will change. Now, this is a big deal. You need to hear this. When you start living like this, you will not have to think about these things for, for nine years to overcome the things you used to do for the last 20 years. You must hear this. This is, this is huge. This is huge. God is not saying, okay, you lived a terrible way life for 20 years, so you start thinking good things for 20 years and then you can balance. No. No. God unleashes the power of the spirit in an exponential way, it will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. He just wants you to begin to practice walking in the spirit. Because that's where you find life. Does that make any sense? Did you guys get it? Are you sure you got it? Because I'm done. Because if I can have you walking in the spirit, the rest is easy. Just as easy. Amen? Wow. I take my seat. Thank you for listening to this message. You can reach Pastor Bank on Facebook at Pastor Bank Akimola, on Instagram at Bank Akimola, on Twitter at Pastor Bank. Stay blessed. We can overflow with purpose in mind. You say to us.